Grand Rising, beautiful souls. Hope everybody is doing good today. Today we want to go over myth as or using myth for spiritual guidance and what that looks like and how we use that in our life and kind of what's going on in our life. Some things that are showing up and how, you know, we're using it to help support our narrative and help move us along. And I'll say myth is something that's very, I think it's ancient. Um, you know, in some native cultures, they had storytellers and um, especially in Native American um, culture. Um, they even have this kind of depiction of the storyteller where you see the the storyteller and then all these children are around the storyteller and usually that's what it was it was you know coming around narrative um ancient stories lessons learned hero's journey all the things that myth provides to us which is so beautiful and fun right it's like story time it's like <laughs> right it's like they, when they pull out the book and they were like story time i used to love that part when i was i'm like ooh, you know um, and that's kind of what myth is, right? It's this opportunity for us to have story time and, and add narrative to our life, um, which also makes us feel like we have some meaning and kind of provides us an opportunity to see what's, how to move forward in our life. Gives us an idea of how we might move forward if we feel stuck. Um, and Pam, what do you say? Do you have anything to add? Um, <clears throat> no, I just love the way that you opened with the, like the you know vision of the imagery of that. Um, yeah, as a kid, right, you come onto carpet for like story time. Um, I think that's how it's transformed for us in modern day. Um, but there's something magical, I think, about this ancient way of um, of being that we once had, right, where it was community, like you said, this fire um, coming together and sharing morals and values, right, lessons learned. Um, that's how we imparted wisdom and knowledge, um, oral tradition, and a lot of um, cultures, um, that's all they relied on, right? That's why we we don't even have records today, because it was just oral tradition passed down, um, like the Druids and, and whatnot. And um, yeah, so that comes to mind. Um, no, myth, I think, is a beautiful, powerful thing that we don't fully um understand and in some ways today i think it's overlooked and um there's not time <laughs> for myth or it's just a story i think the co closest we have now is maybe movies right realistically an hour and a half wrapped up into um action-packed entertainment or, or something like that <laughs> mm -hmm. it's true and that's probably why i love movies because i'm not a tv watcher like at home um and my tv when it does go on it's usually a movie or a series and it's usually some kind of mystical it could be obviously i'm not a much of a romantic as you know so sometimes i'll watch <laughs> these rom-coms or whatever but it's mostly like um action-packed or mystical or you know it's like harry potter's yeah. Lord of the rings and wheel yeah. of time and you know and and i love i'll tell you why i love um the way that they do like movies is because it's always and it's true i think it, today it's easier to relate some of these concepts to movies like i'm always mm -hmm. giving examples of like well have you seen the movie of you know like um some movies that i like um are the like divergent series you know stuff like that mm. where you think oh you know yeah. everything's gonna crumble what would you do like and in this series or in this time if you apply it to kind of what's going on in your life you're like oh wow it's almost the same patterning or something like that and, and there is a very tightly constructed or i wouldn't say tightly it's loosely constructed but it's neatly constructed pattern within mm -hmm. like the myth story right it's always like almost like the hero's journey usually um plays out in sort of these myths even in our own life right we go through this like hero's journey and i know you love that like hero's yeah. journey yeah so, but, there. <laughs> yeah but movies man you know it's a it is true because you are kind of like sitting around the tv like if it was a storyteller and listening to the story that it has to tell you or watching it or listening mm -hmm. to it right 
Right. Um, and hopefully so you're getting the moral <laughs> or the value uh, or something. <laughs> Did you get the moral of the story? So we like, no, I didn't. Um, yeah, but the, the storyteller, um, and I love it because, you know, who doesn't love a good storyteller? <laughs> mm. Right. <laughs> I agree. Everybody does. <laughs> yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking. I don't know how many times I've I've gotten lost in a book and you know, I cry. I cry at everything, but whatever. Movies definitely. But yeah, I think um what I love about the book aspect, right, that the movies can't do for us is, is show so much more depth to the characters that we come to love, especially like the Harry Potter series. Mm -hmm. um, for sure, there's so much there that's not mm -hmm. in the scene. But when you want to talk about like structure and archetypes and myth and like um, J.K. Rowling does an amazing job of like capturing that, you know, just as well as like J.R.R. Tolkien and Lord of the Rings, like you said, and and other things. And I think that's why they're they're such classics because those authors um, were able to just tap in naturally to to like a story, right? I don't think they sat there and was like, okay, I need to have a hero and a villain. You know, all those like structural plot things. I think it just naturally arises, and then our perspective, our awareness is able to like capture those things. And then life intimidating and recreating art, right? We're able to put that into like the page and onto the screen, um, which is just fascinating to me of like the coming to like the human psychology, you know, whatever. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's true because um, it, it's really cool. Like you said, in character development, I think the reason that myth is so important is because somehow we feel tied and connected to these characters mm -hmm. we can we'll even add it's funny because it's just the other day um you know a friend of ours we were talking about the Tao, right or the Tao and taoism and and all this stuff and and um and then a friend of mine's like yeah well winnie the pooh was like the perfect Tao, and there's like the the Tao of, of Pooh or something like that and i didn't <laughs> know right i i had never heard of that before yeah. but there was and then and then a friend of mine goes well what character do you think i am in winnie the pooh right because mm. and then we're kind of wanting to connect and relate to these characters and mm. sometimes people will be like oh you're like the character in that movie or you're like the character in this <laughs> yeah. movie or that reminds Absolutely. me of this so and i think that's why character development is so important in myth and how because it helps us to re to recognize we feel some connection mm -hmm. to these characters that we call myth characters right or mythology or this pantheon of gods that we used to um worship or look to right it's like we were trying to embody that or, or understand or capture the essence of this particular um energy and so if you look back like especially like in greek myth they have such a huge pantheon or even if you looked at egyptian mythology mm -hmm. um or even indian mythology right asia uh, asian mythology of china or yeah. india or south america is pretty interesting too when i was in peru yeah huh? yeah, yeah they all have myth Mm -hmm. So what does that tell so you? So many right? similarities and synchronicities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yes. and what does that tell you, right? It's mm -hmm. that we feel connected to the the narratives that myth provide for us. And I think that it's so important that we we recapture it. Because like you said, you know, it's not gathering around the f fire, listening to these stories that our elders are telling us anymore. No. We've lost that, unfortunately. But I think at some points we do have it, though, you know, because I love sure. having a fire. And, um, mm -hmm. and I think it's more storytelling now, you know what I mean? It's more maybe letting loose of stress, <laughs> and, uh -huh, and uh -huh. you know what I mean? It's uh -huh. not like survival, like, you know, wisdom being imparted in you and stuff, but but we've definitely find a way to modernize everything. So it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a bitch session the whole time. <laughs> I'm just yeah. gonna bitch it off. Right, right. Fine. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, and it is like, yeah, you get around the campfire and talk. But I mean, I'm talking like, I don't know why this vision came to mind because I kind of like the um, 
um, what is the series? I can't think of the name of it, but anyway, um, where they're around the campfire and then they're telling the story of like the wolf, right? The great wolf. And, and, you know, it's this native tradition where they're talking about the culture and how, how they turned into wolves and why they turned into wolves. And what is it? Uh, Twilight is the name of the show, the movie. Oh, the Twilight, Twilight series? The Twilight <laughs> series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know. Oh, okay. Their heritage. Yeah. I know uh -huh. what you're talking about. Yeah. the Yeah. That's a cool scene. Yeah, for sure. The shapeshifters. The yeah. shapeshifters where he yeah. sits around and tells the story, you know, and he's the older yeah. man and everybody's coming to him as this wise old man and he's holding, he's a carrier of this, this information, this wisdom. Mm. Um, and he's giving him an idea of what's to come and why it's to come. And, yeah. and, and it's like this forewarning of like, here's what's happening. Right. And that's kind of what it provides. It's like, okay, here. So it's like mm. the elder, holding kind of the staff and everybody kind of like listening and having that respect for the elders wisdom that, that they've carried throughout history or whatnot. And it's like, right. wow, but the myth and the storyteller give us insight into our own life. How, like, how do we tap into our own personal myth? Mm -hmm. Right. Because Absolutely. we have, we have the, so what do we identify with kind of, you know, like my friend asking the character, well, what character do you think I am? And then we're once I'm watching Once Upon a Time. I like these mystical, oh. like I really love like mystical series. Like I just do. I've always been. And um and it was funny because we're, you know, for Kung Fu, we're like, well, who do we think that person <laughs> is, you know, in the mid, you know? So we're constantly doing this. We're constantly yeah. trying to look for clues or signs on how this myth might be playing out in our own life. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, through different stories. Um, but like for personal myth, right? It's like, what myth is guiding me along? Mm. Um, and there might be some major characters that archetypes that we feel connected to. And what I like about that is that um, it can help us to understand what might happen next in our life or how to move forward or a way forward or what needs to be healed um or what lessons we need to learn and why that particular energy or myth is like arising in our own personal life um and how how do how do we how do we use it right like for you like what are some times where you've used like this the myth to help you along and and to kind of move you forward you know like what myths you feel connected to hmm. oh goodness i've had so many um um and and that's the cool thing like it it became this um this huge turning point for me in my life that when we were wrapping up school you know you have to kind of go into like that thesis um mm -hmm professional paper area, whatever. And um, I was so drawn to the heuristic self-search inquiry um, mm -hmm. mode. And, um, and it was, you know, discovering this new way of using myself as this case study while mm -hmm. using like outside um, resources, right, for, for this huge year-long um, project. And I and I named it um, "Discovering Personal Myth," <laughs> and so oh, yeah. like you said early on, you know, the hero's journey and these things, like it is so so close to me. Um, when I was teaching English for high school um, a few years back, um, I was teaching my kids the hero's journey, you know, and and um, really having a lot of growth and insight while I was teaching them and, you know, going through my own spiritual stuff. Um, and it was really just seeing it as beyond like us and the human part, like, right. Like it's not something we just kind of made up for movies. I was seeing it as the structure of the universe and working through it in stages of development on, um, ego levels and on spiritual soul levels of consciousness. Um, so that in itself, has been the most transformative eye-opening thing to really truly understand and to look at yourself as i am the hero right i am the main character that in itself allows the shifting and letting go of attachment 
to people, right? Because we want people to come and go and we want people to stay and we want to fit people in certain roles in our lives or, you know what I mean? But if you think about like the pie chart of, of archetypes, you know, you have the lover, the teacher, you know, the villain, the jokester, um, the mentor, you know, like all of these different areas. So people are going to fall into like that role, you know, and we're going to play a role for them. And so just being able to shift my whole narrative uh, of like human, <laughs> of humanness and, you know, humanity and whatnot, um, that helped. That helped me really let go, um, heal, not have um, so much pain and attachments. And then it was going deeper. Um, and I feel like what archetypes, there's... There's a part of me that feels like it's too broad in a sense to just throw around the word archetypes because we're talking about personality traits. We're talking about um, the storyline, right? Good versus evil, you know, ice and fire, heaven and hell, like those kind of concepts or archetypes. Um, so, so for me, I always kind of struggled because I felt like the archetypes yeah, there's a story, there's a myth story. And I've related it, um, Wizard of Oz, which I've shared about, you know, Dorothy and Glinda. Um, but on the other hand of that, it was like this own archetype, this essence of who we are, right? Our core of being. And there's masculine and feminine archetypes that overlap. Um, it's definitely entwined with the natal charts. I've, you know, been able to look at my birth chart and see attachments there. So I think that's a very good starting point for people is to look at like constellations in your natal chart. Um, like I have Pisces uh, as a sun sign. So that linked me to Aphrodite. Um, but I also felt Aphrodite. And I think it's just, the more you become aware of it and you form a relationship with it, it becomes easier because in the very beginning, it's not easy to tell there's some kind of energy, right? It's just personality. It's just you. Um, yeah. yeah what I do think, you think? And I think that's, no, I think that's a good distinction because I think most people would be like, you know, we identify with the ego, the day-to-day, -day, you know, mm. not recognizing that there's maybe these bigger energies and sometimes it can be very like, you know, even though we're the main, maybe the main character in our story, we may not be the main character in somebody mm -hmm. else's story, right? Right. So it's a spider like web and all into uh -huh. it. Yeah. And like we're playing this, like you said, we play other roles for other people, mm -hmm. um, you know, as well. So it's, it's, and it is bigger than an archetype is a big, broad, general term. I think it gets thrown around quite a bit. And, it, yeah. you know, um, but, it helps us. And I think if you say like, well, let's look at myth and character um, and who are the characters within the myth, like even in your own life, I think it yes. provides a story. So if you're like identified or if you start to realize or wake up to maybe a, a god or a goddess that you're connected to or an element or whatever it is, whatever's showing up, mm. you can kind of look to ancient myth stories and kind of see the different characters that surface within the myth. And mm -hmm. then with that, you can kind of say, well, who's in my current circle? And 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 what's what is naturally popping up and what lessons am I supposed to be learning on this journey? So like, you know, with Aphrodite, right? It's kind mm -hmm. of like looking at, okay, well, what is Aphrodite teaching me? What, you know, what is this energy saying? You know, and it does kind of allow us to expand um our our consciousness our our way of looking at the world into something bigger into the cosmos into mm -hmm. you know into this bigger narrative than this small tiny container um mundane life that we live in right and it provides some kind of a right and it also i think it provides this like mystical magical connection that you know we've cut off so much it's almost yes. like it's almost like people are just living this dried out life. Yeah, like we're zombies in a shell of a body, like in a robotic, you know, <laughs> chain system. <laughs> like, you know, like we are cut off from spirit. That's why people are filling this void that they can't even understand with every, you know, kind of addictive coping mechanism for sure. Mm -hmm.
And the thing is, too, with these archetypes, and this is the important thing, like they are wounded, undeveloped energies. And when you start looking at the myth stories, like how many of them end in tragedy? You know, how much of it is pain? So it's our responsibility, and this is what I have done on my own end and what I've like come to discover. Like we need to change the myth. We need to, like, this is our opportunity to do the work and do the healing and evolve these stories. And in some of these cases of these archetypes to give them a second chance, to give them what they didn't get, the injustice that was caused to them. Um, so like Lilith, that's one thing I've talked to you, you know, and others I've been very open about, um, you know, my, cause growing up Catholic, we were never taught about Lilith. It was just Adam yeah. and Eve and, yeah. and you know, the whole woman's gotta be subservient. So, yeah. so to find out that there was this powerful, you know, beautiful woman, Lilith, um, who was like, hell no, like I want equality and I want top and, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. and was cast out and demonized. Like the woman's sexuality is so, so I've totally my shadow aspect, has gone on to not only the wounded side of Aphrodite, um, but but Lilith, and and with that, I have found healing. I've been able, you know, to to give um, what Lilith really needed, which was freedom and acceptance, um, back to, you know, I think the universal God's kingdom, whatever you want to call it. But I think it's again, like we've been talking about this darkness um, and separation that kind of chases after love and light and these higher vibrations and it wants that unity. And in myth, I think that's where a lot of separation and darkness and undeveloped consciousness um, is really trapped. And so yeah, I like can, that. Yeah, yeah no, and I'm just ahead. saying we can shift it forward and do a lot of mm -hmm. healing if we can tap into our myth and separate it from the ego emotions. <laughs> No, I, I actually, I like that a lot, um, you know, in terms of, like you said, rewriting the narrative for these myth characters as well. Um, you know, part of me is like thinking like for some of the projects that I did, right, when we were in our program, one that I did was La Llorona. And I think people, um, you, you know, I, so when I was young, like La Llorona, right, I don't know if people know what La Llorona is, but I'll just tell the story really quickly. Mm. Yes, um, she is a mother. Yeah. So, so she, you know, she was, of course, she's a Mexican character. Mm -hmm. um, so being from New Mexico, uh, it's very traditional that we know about La Llorona. Um, and she is the lady of the river. So they always tell you like this when you're a kid, don't play in the arroyos, right, where the water comes because La Llorona will get you and drown you because she's searching for her children. Um, mm -hmm. that she drowned. So the story goes that she drowned her children. Um, and it, it could be like postpartum depression or something like this, right? That, that the myth goes towards, but um, the guy that she loves leaves her. So, you know, he comes along, he um, marries or gets married to this lady, um, comes along, um, has no, and then has an affair with La Llorona. She has children and he leaves her. And out of her pain, her heart and her pain, um, she drowns her children. And then after she instantly regrets it. And so then she drowns herself. And so in that, she is constantly looking for her children in the mm. river, which is like a tragic story, right? You're just thinking yeah. like, wow, that's, and I rewrote that entire myth. Yeah. And what I put is that she was trying to get away from her parents who were not accepting her children out of wedlock and they drown mm. and that she didn't that she didn't mean to drown them but she was trying to cast them across the river and they mm. drown and she survived and she went to the town to go and tell people help me help me nobody helped her and they blamed her for their debt for the their death right and so then yeah. in sorrow and misery she went and drowned herself mm. so but to recreate that story and having, you know, with myth, I think part of it, and I'm sure that you did this when you were going through your myth story is having a dialogue with the actual character yeah. that is surfacing in your, in your mind, right? Because this woman was demonized as well. Mm -hmm. um, and now 
you know, they even have a movie called La Llorona and it, of course she's the scary, you know, I never watched it. Um, but yeah, they, they did the same have, thing to Lilith. They made like a CD rated movie, <laughs> like horror movie where she kills. <laughs> yeah. So, so they demonize, right? And it's like yeah. you said, like, like, even if you look at, um, Medusa, right, and, mm -hmm. and her her tragic stories. Um, you know, um, all all these characters, not just women, are were demonized, right? It was like there are other characters that then get demonized, and I think I think there's a lot of um, truth to saying how do we rewrite these mm -hmm. narratives? I, they even did it with like Maleficent, right? Right. They rewrote that narrative. Um, Maleficent. I don't know if you ever watched this the movies. I thought they did a pretty good job with Angelina Jolie. Yeah, yeah. So, we watched those a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. even if you look at um 101 Dalmatians, Cruella Deville, they rewrote oh, yeah. her story. Yeah. So I think we're starting to realize that like we need to rewrite these stories. Yeah. There's this they even rewrote the story of Santa to be a woman instead of a, a man. Oh really? I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah. No, but while you're talking, I was definitely thinking on the masculine side of it, though, um, like Pan, right? The nature god, the horned god um, mm -hmm. that they done turned into the devil and Satan. And so, like, just that one god alone, <laughs> you follow, you know, culturally, look at how that has um, totally reshaped our connection because there's no masculine element with nature now we just see it as a feminine mother earth so we've even stripped that and now have like demonized the masculine element of earth and made it a devil consciousness mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. like these things that we don't we couldn't understand back then or the things that had power you know that we didn't want people to have understanding and wisdom of it's like we just we stripped it and um gave it a, a new narrative that's been harmful for generations and i think it's finding this way that's personal to us and meaningful to us through these characters um and stories that are arising in our lives naturally that we're just drawn to and have connection with like that's the beginning you know seed realistically you don't have to go digging around it's just going to naturally be in your um your passion your interests and and so it, yeah i think we definitely need to rewrite narrative. We need to explore, mm -hmm. you know, what, what is the narrative right now? What is our current collective myth? Where are we, you know, what are we healing? Where are we going? Yeah. And I think, so it's like, how, how do you come to your myth, right? How do you come to your myth? So I can say that the way that I've come to some of these characters that resonate with me, right? First is, to really like for me i did a deep meditation some one of them came in a dream like la llorona came in a dream mm. for yep. me i was never like totally connected to la llorona like oh all the time right it was yeah in fact i never even thought of la llorona um past probably the age of nine or something like that and then and then what she did is she she surfaced in my dream and it was when i was doing very deep spiritual work mm. so the reason we're saying that you can use myth for spiritual guidance is that when you start to do your spiritual journey, there are going to be a lot of, a lot of things. It's a whole slew of crap that shows up <laughs> that you're like, what is this stuff? Right? What, what is all this? And it's the, the unconscious, right? Is mm. surfacing into the conscious world and you're looking at it going like, I should have left that dormant. What the hell was I thinking? Yeah. And then, you know, but but the cat's already let out of the bag. So, you know, you can't go back, right? It's just going to start like slapping you in the face. Right. I mean, this it's it's playing out regardless. So, so your your unconscious subconscious mind will play out narratives without you knowing until yes. you get the lesson. But yes. when you really actively purposefully start to uh, dive into your spiritual journey, it'll mm. reveal it a lot sooner, a lot easier. Right. But then the easy part is it reveals itself. The hard part is now what do I do with this? Because now you're going like, I don't know what to do with all this big energy that's showing up. Mm -hmm. And part of that is looking at what characters are talking to you because there's a lesson they're trying to teach you, they're trying to show you it's this bigger energy, this bigger pattern. Mm -hmm. And when we say gods, we mean gods with little g, right? These these energies that are 
circulating within our vibrational frequencies and, and these stories, that narratives that play out. So once you do that, and once you're surfacing actively, um, allowing yourself this spiritual journey, the characters will show up. And and what yeah. I did is said, okay, what character do I identify? What's the nature or the essence of what I'm experiencing? Right. Some people, if you if you look at Aphrodite, right, which is a big one, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's like I have this big sexual charge plus all this pleasure and so you kind of can just look up keywords that's a good way to start is kind of looking well what sensations or essences are showing are you feeling a lot of anger um that's surfacing or are you overindulging in pleasures you know um are you uh drinking a lot of alcohol you know what i mean it could be the dionysus right it can be <laughs> You know, <laughs> totally like, worked with him for a minute, <laughs> right? But you don't know. It could be like these different myth characters showing up. So you know, like, absolutely, they come in phases for sure, and different. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like where you are in your path, you'll bring up different ones, and then it will heal its story, and a new one will emerge mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think like tapping into your essence of what you're experiencing will help you kind of tap into the myth that's guiding you. And the cool thing is, is that once you really know that a myth is resonating with you and this energy is sort of like engaging with you, you'll feel it, you'll know it. Like for me, I cry or I get like, oh, too much energy comes flowing in at me. You know, I'm starting to look at it and I'm like, this is way too much. I Mm. need to turn it down a notch. And that's how I know that I've tapped into the the right myth that's going to help guide me into my next journey or phase or whatever it is, or heal whatever needs to be healed around that, that particular myth. Um, and some of the myths, like I said, have showed up like La Llorona. I was able to heal past that, right? Because I was, I wasn't necessarily the mother. I was the child of the narrative, right? And I had to heal this mother wound that I felt of not belonging or not being wanted of, Mm. of, you know, being drowned by the mother uh metaphysically basically or or yeah or yeah spiritually or whatever it was right it was right it wasn't physically obviously i'm here but there was this connection to like feeling like i was not wanted and that's kind of how the story goes in la Llorona. like the kids weren't wanted and then there's this instant regret on the mother's end to say well no i do want you yeah. and i felt that battle right in my own myth journey in my own sensations like i felt like i was wanted but not wanted and i couldn't understand it and and so it helped me to heal to have a whole new understanding and what i would say is that the way that the narrative helped me to heal is that when i saw my mother i saw her as this person who i believe wanted her own life Mm. and independent of children without children And that maybe she doesn't want to admit that, um, but that is the energy that she puts off, right? Yeah. Even though she might not, and maybe she's afraid to admit it. Um, right. You know, but but you can tell, right? You can tell as the person receiving the energy from the mother. And so for me, I was like, now I can honor my mother is, you know, maybe she didn't want children and I'm okay with that. She had us anyway, you know what I mean? Right. Even if she didn't want children, she had us and we're alive and she fed us. She wasn't totally abandoned us, right? Yeah. Um, she fed us, you know, she, we, we had a place to stay. We had a roof over our head, you know, all that kind of stuff. But she was battling, I think, the ability to have her own life without children and i think right honestly think she could do it again she wouldn't have had children and and i know that because i don't want children and so i feel the same energy i'm like but i come from you so i understand that that's probably what it was yeah and even though she may never admit it but that narrative helped me to heal past that right it helped me to to recognize that you know she wouldn't she wasn't so ingrained that and of not want of not wanting us that she gave us away or that she she just aborted us or whatever right she right. she did go through the entire process and raise us and all that stuff um but i think there might have been some regrets there so i could then say why well, identify with 
you know, not wanting children. I identify with how I would feel if I had children and, and didn't really, I understand that, you know, and I yeah. think, and to me, it became a bigger narrative of, I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there, a lot of, and in fact, I started talking to a lot of mothers and they actually felt relieved to be able to say that yeah. without feeling like they were bad or right. that there was something wrong with them. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, um, parenting is its own weird little box. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, because you have to, like, you want to talk about wearing a freaking mask. Uh, <laughs> parenting, like, oh man, listen, yeah, conscious parenting. That'll be maybe a good content yeah. topic one day. And for I sure. think the mother gets the she, you know, the mother. It's hard for the mothers, yeah, because we're the nurturer, we're the caregivers, we're the first thing that they have. You know, they look to us for. It's just they come from us. We're brewing them, and you know, the women bruise the child in their stomach for nine months. You know, it's like or longer. <laughs> I'm longer, and the mother, you know, for the child, it's like it's okay for the mother to say they didn't want kids or that they don't want their kids or sometimes they wish they could just draw you know what i mean like i will i will honestly admit i have been very open and honest about that like i have four kids like i had my my first child at 16 and then i was 20 and i was 26 and i was 30. um only two were planned and like yeah i mean there were times that i've like if I could go back, like I definitely would, you know, knowing what I know now, because I honestly also believe like our, it's a soul contract. So like, you know what I mean? I kind of go back and forth, like you can't go back. But at the same yeah. point, if I could like rewrite my soul contract from right now, I would have them much later in life and with uh -huh. a much healthier, divine healed masculine and not their father, to be honest, <laughs> yeah. um, for sure. So, so I think that kind of the parent and the situation of the home life can kind of, you know, play in to some of those key regrets. I think, especially the younger you are, mm -hmm. um, for sure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. And see how it opens up narrative. So that's why I said yeah. it can, myth can help you with spiritual guidance, because what it does is it, it allows you to identify too and say things that most people wouldn't say like i'm not a mother so me rewriting this myth allowed me to get in spaces with other mothers that i when i was working with this energy who really literally said you know what i i didn't want my i didn't want kids or i don't sometimes i don't want my children sometimes i'm like uh and they were able to say it without feeling judged mm. they, but but they were like, but I love my children. And obviously I'm still there for them, even though I have these feelings sometimes. It's hard. It's so yeah. hard. <laughs> it's yeah. like the hardest relationships when you think about it. And not only that, but when you're having your own children that um, are not compatible, like when your birth charts are, oh, are you know what I mean, are opposites. Oh. And your kids are meant to teach you karma. So like the things that you're, parents couldn't live out or foresee. Um, Teal Swan actually has some interesting videos on like what our children are really meant to mirror back. And so like if, so as like a child, if you were never allowed to express anger or frustration, you're gonna have a child that's going to just show anger and frustration um, because you never got to exhibit that. And so, um, so it's really kind of interesting when you go into the dynamics of like this really, you know, myth, you want to talk about myth story and soul contracts. Mm -hmm. Cause my mm -hmm. oldest two, I mean, my oldest daughter and my youngest son, um, a very similar Scorpio sun, Taurus moon, and their old souls. We've had past lives. We've done, you know, some work in understanding our stories together. Um, and then my middle two sons are very much new souls and like, yeah. And, and so it's just very interesting. And I see with my, um, my 14 year old, um, who's a Libra <laughs> with a Scorpio moon. Um, I see a lot of myself in him. And so I see where we have to break some, um, patriarchal systems in place, mm -hmm. um, of like the way our, our, parents and grandparents and great grandparents were raised and so that will trigger things to come up and i've had to work and do shadow work so so with our kids even it's so much deeper than what we're aware of 
-hmm. And when we can't heal our own wounds and pains and our kids are, you know, triggering things and we're mirroring things and we're not aligned compatibly through our birth charts because they're meant to shake the shit out of our world. But we have to put on the smile face and pretend we're the best mom or dad ever. And, you know, do it because I've done that. The assistant coach, you know, helping out with the baseball and, you know, stuff's exhausting and trying to be the PTA and doing the, you know, field trips and the volunteering and it's exhausting. Everybody pretends to be perfect. And I'm just telling you, like, I don't, I don't know. I get all uncomfortable in a sense where I'm just like, I don't want to talk to any of these parents. I just want to be in my own little bubble and I want to get the hell out of here when this concert's over. <laughs> and yeah. I don't want to be like that, but it's just the discomfort of like, parenting <laughs> you know but you shouldn't face. be perfect because no one is perfect and that's no, the problem right exactly that becomes the issue it's like because if you opened up to these parents and told them how you feel i guarantee every single one of them is right. dying to stay right we're all that, overwhelmed exactly our every kids suck person. sometimes as wonderful exactly. as they are and we love exactly. them we might not like them and that's okay it's like bad moms i don't know if you've ever seen that movie oh i love those movies <laughs> Uh, or they just like, just like, we're not going to be good. We're just going to be the way we are. We suck. Yes. And that's fine. Yes. And that, that's the yes. reality. I belong in that group because I try. <laughs> I guarantee all moms do because the, the, so, and, but if you can see like, even just this one myth and talking about how the myth was changed, mm. the healing around it right that's how yeah. the healing happens that's the spiritual Absolutely. guidance it's, yeah it's being able to uh say what the shadow side is without feeling shame or bad about yes. calling the shadow side what it is yes but healing that part of it you can't i mean you can't heal through the myth until you recognize that shadow right. side Yes. If yeah. you keep ignoring it and denying things and you don't ever like accept it, acknowledge it and sit with it, um, then yeah, you're just always going to be at that gateway. You need to like enter into it um, by exploring it for sure. Yeah. Cause then you become it. And then all the shadow that you're trying to deny, I was talking about this last night, all the shadow you're trying to deny from a particular narrative actually becomes you because mm. you're not, you're not talking about it kind of like with the cult stuff right yeah. i'm like what's the shadow side of doing you know mind work well part of it is like cults yeah. <laughs> they all start off with these really good ideas right and then and the shadow side shows up and it's like okay because now you know we're gonna this is the only way to live and this is you're all coming with me and you know there's there's this shadow, but you've got to call it out and then you've got to say, okay, how are, what are all the ways that I'm not like that? And what are all the ways that I am like that? And really kind of identifying and say, okay, what can I do with this? But until you call it like it is, and until you rework the narrative or the myth that you're embodying or the essence of the myth that's coming to you, you're absolutely correct. You're just going to become it. You'll just, you'll become the shadow eventually because yeah. you're holding it inside. You're not you're not releasing it. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, and then you become this shadow. The thing that you fear the most, you become. <laughs> yeah, and it's all from subconscious levels. So you're not even aware that it that that's what's navigating um, your life and the outside, right? The external that you're now um, attracting like a magnet to you for story and experience. And I will say, looking at like victim mentality, is huge too because if you only see yourself as a victim and that's your narrative um and you're just giving your power away to other people especially as empaths because i think this is part of our narrative we automatically have this narcissist dynamic that we're you know kind of set up with from birth um because we need <laughs> need each other right? in a lot of ways to grow there. So like that myth story of the narcissist empath is really, really powerful. And I think it's about coming into your own power, you know, and not allowing other energies to feed and suck, you know, like the light and the energy from you for sure. And um, having boundaries and confidence and self-worth. And so there's a lot of small things on that journey 
you know, of self-discovery that will come up, um, that will lead to your empowerment for sure. And, and those small moments, you know, change your story, change your narrative little by little. Um, because if you see yourself in any way, like if somebody's hurt you or betrayed you, it's very easy, easy for the ego to feel like it was attacked and it's a victim. And then it's very easy for the ego to navigate life forward, always seeing itself as a victim. And that's not true. And I think that's the worst narrative and myth that we can kind of um, entrap ourselves into, you know what I mean? And get caught up in, into the subconscious because you don't even realize it. You're just like that poor me mentality. Everybody's out against me. Everyone's gonna hurt me. I can't trust people. I can't love people. Um, so look at like the victim, you know, the victim narrative and find a way to, to like reclaim that um because that is one thing i see with with my card readings when i you know when i have sessions with people um like that's a on the bigger myth collective story that's where we all are on our individual path and that shifts us you know as a collective is that we're all reclaiming our power and our true authenticity and dropping these you know mass um you know, in these wounds and things that we we have hidden behind. And so I think coming back to the collective, that's really important to look at um, victimization as well as like how am I co-creating with the universe? Because these archetypes are coming in to co-create with us. And so surrender and opening to them in relationship is only going to build and strengthen that over time. So then it gets easier. It gets easier to feel them, to understand them, to witness them and be like, oh, I know who this is or the universe will guide you quickly. And then, you know, it's like a puzzle piece and you're like, oh, that's the energy I've been feeling. It's this person or, you know, this God, this goddess, whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. How are you, Bella? Um, so, yes, um, you know, I think understanding the myth that is circulating in us, around us, and tapping into your own personal myth as you know, like Pam was saying, like really figuring out what that personal myth is within you and then being able to shift narrative. Right. And, and asking yourself, am I, am I playing the victim? And there's, there's some language around, you know, I'll tell you what I was saying last night, mastery lies in distinguishing distinctions. One of them is a collapsed understanding of victim and survivor. And a lot of narrative has changed around that. Mm -hmm. um, particular thing. It's like, I am a survivor of this particular thing. And what that does is it reclaims your power. Mm -hmm. The reason why, um, the narrative gets to change, um, is so that you can then stand in the power instead of putting the blame on others for what's going on with you. It allows you to recreate your life from a place of power. The the victim story will keep you in that perpetual cycle of um, not enough. Um, they're doing that to me, um, this and that. And so what ends up happening is you circulate kind of the same stories over and over and over of victim. Survivor is a whole other thing. In fact, survivor to me reminds me of the warrior. Mm -hmm. archetype right which is mm -hmm. which is what i say you know yeah. when i think about that i'm like whoa like i'm a warrior spirit right mm -hmm. um and i'm able to you know uh put on this armor and and i'm not a victim i can stand up for myself you know and so survivors are like yo i'm gonna say something about this yeah victims are just kind of allowing themselves to surrender to what other people do to them Absolutely. And that's giving up power. That's giving up power. Yes. So when you start to like look at these narratives and start looking at, well, what's the opposite? If I'm a victim, what what's the opposite of that? Well, I survived something, you know, and start looking at that. So that's how the healing starts to happen. You know, I know that in language, um, language is a big piece of it as well. Like how do we dialogue or how do we put symbols to our understanding of the world, right? Because if we go back, was, language was really a system to describe or give meaning to our experience of the world. Like, what are we seeing? How are we experiencing it? What are we feeling? And language does that. It gives us an opportunity to 
communicate what's happening internally with us and how we're viewing the world. Um, and that's why everybody's so different. That's why we all can't be like, so then these myths arise to help us maybe resolve conflicts or something that shows up with us. It's like, oh, well, there's this conflict. How do I resolve this? Well, let's look at the bigger story or the bigger picture, or the bigger myth behind it. You know, what role is this person playing in my life? What role am I playing in their life? What energy am I holding on to, you know, and how is that energy either hindering me or helping me progress? Like mm -hmm. what needs to happen? And I think the biggest thing is like having dialogue, narrative, being able to speak mm -hmm. with these characters. And there's many ways you can do it. Like active mm -hmm. imagination is one where you can just sit and close your eyes and have a whole entire narrative with, you know, ask it questions, let your unconscious mind or let the voice inside of you answer the questions. You know what I mean? Um, that's something that we did with our classes that I really liked. I think it, it gives you like this deeper insight. Like when I was working with La Llorona, a lot of it was that closing my eyes and asking questions, what do you want? And that's how I rewrote the narrative. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just me saying, oh, I'm gonna rewrite this to feel better. Like I had to do deep, deep work where I had my eyes closed and I was crying and I'm like, why didn't you want me? Why didn't you, you yeah. know, and all these things. And then a whole new dialogue emerged from that, which is the dialogue was, no, I did want you, but I just didn't want children. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I kept you, you know what I mean? And so then there was this healing inside where it was like, I can respect that maybe this particular myth was playing out in my life somehow, but there was this deep healing around it. Um, you know, you can do hypnotherapy is another thing that really helps mm. um, for for dialogue. You know, you go with the intentions of dialoguing with this particular energy, um, you know, like that. Or you could just journal about your feelings around it or doing research like just like recently like now what i'm doing is research around um the different archetypes that are surfacing and kind of saying what really what myth because also that you should be aware of is that there's not the particular god or goddess that's showing up or the archetype or the energy that is showing up has many different stories mm -hmm like Gilgamesh, right? We have Gilgamesh and then that story got all over the place, right? Like we see it everywhere and all like, we're like, well, why do we see the same story everywhere? Yeah. You know, or, and so we see these narratives have kind of morphed. If you look at the, the Greek pantheon and then you look at like Roman, right? They kind of yeah. took from, you know what I mean? If you look at Egyptian mythology, you see that there's like some crossover with even Greek, you know yeah. what I mean? And so like, there's all these like crossovers, but there's little tweaks and differences. And sometimes we feel more connected to another culture's way of describing that particular energy. And that can send us on a different journey of healing. So yeah, so I think it's kind of like you said, looking at it, right? That's kind of what we're working with at this right. point, right? It's like, well, look at different, um, different characters. Look at, don't just go with the first one and see, right, how it goes. So, hello, anime girl. <laughs> um, and so that's how you can figure out the myth, right, or how the myth is playing out. Um, what about you, Pam? You want to add to that? Mm, no, I definitely agree. It's like a rabbit hole. Um, and for me, like as a kid, I loved studying ancient Greece and ancient Egypt um, and then kind of lost all of that, right, as I got older and motherhood and responsibilities and stuff took over. So when I kind of naturally went into um, like the spiritual awakening and, you know, my journey started unfolding and, and whatnot, my myth story kind of awoke me and took over. Um, it was this ancient remembering, you know, as well as this remembering in this lifetime. And so by re being reconnected, um, I would say really childhood. Childhood holds a lot of keys <laughs> to like the things that we were naturally drawn to and light. Like everything was witchcraft <laughs> when I look back at like growing up in the 90s. I'm like, oh my God, could it have been more 
like attuned into like my blood <laughs> and my system and my way of being. And then I just lost that. Um, but, but no, I think it's a rabbit hole for sure. And it will take you further back, um, from my own experiences. So with Aphrodite, cause that's an easier one, right? Like you have the Roman, we have the planet Venus. So I think we're all kind of familiar right away with that energy. And then, so going back Aphrodite and then going back further, like Isis, um, Inanna. So it kept taking me back to older and more ancient civilizations that were threaded to that archetypal goddess. And, um, and Anana in her underworld story um, has been something I'm still working with and fully trying to figure out. But that has been a massive part of my um, of my story and my experience, my origins. Um, and it's just puzzle pieces. So it can it can be hard because you you're only going to see and get revealed what the universe wants you <laughs> to know, right? For sure, some things need to be a mystery, and some people may never have that knowledge or wisdom, you know, awaken within them. Um, but there's a lot of resources for sure to, to like just small steps to just kind of start. And I think even just shifting your perspective a little bit, um, it does a lot of healing as well as it just makes the ego, I think, relax <laughs> to, you know what I mean? Not having to hold on to people and places and roles and understanding, okay, like I can let go now because like I learned what I needed to learn, especially if you can't grow with somebody anymore. If you don't see potential and you're just stuck in this container and you're just living out your life for like other people, you know what I mean, in a sense, and you're not really following your heart or your own passion, there's probably a lot of you that's really numb and that you're really closed off and subconscious to um, because you've denied yourself, you know, access to that. Um, so I think sometimes we need isolation. We need to be alone, right? We need to kind of go into like the hermit mode to be able to explore our internal world and we need to be really open and vulnerable with ourselves and have compassion with ourselves for the stuff that we find because the ego can be really harsh and judgmental and critical it's just wired that way naturally so in the process you kind of have to rewire yourself to love and accept and embrace and integrate um the things that you find about yourself because you are healing again and that's why we're finding these demonized, right? You talked about Lilith and Medusa and, you know, like all these demonized energies. Um, so, so we're healing in the process. So it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be easy. No, it's not. <laughs> it's never, it's a mess. <laughs> we're a yeah. mess in a dress. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm always like that saying, right? But it, it is, it's, it's a journey. It's not easy. Um, so I would say like for us, um, just so you know, because we want to wrap it up is that, you know, we are here. We will be taking coaching clients very soon. Um, you know, very exclusive. Um, <laughs> excuse me, amount of coaching clients. So um, we're just um, don't, again, we want to do quality over quantity. But really, we do archetypal myth coaching as well, which is like maybe helping you identify the, the current myth that you feel connected to and then how to guide you through healing the narrative, looking at what the shadow side of that is, looking at the characters that are arising from within that particular myth story, looking at the people that are around you, asking yourself what you have to heal in order to get the lesson and to, to move, to actually move forward with your life so that you can live your life purpose um, and really digging deep. So we will be taking clients soon. Um, the website will be out soon, which is Women of Consciousness. And um, and then we will provide resources around that. Again, it's deeper coaching for the myth story, but we, we also do a lot more. Um, and we're here to support you. Um, and that journey too, being the twin flame, which we didn't talk about this time around that myth story, which is a big, it's a myth in itself, right? It's yeah. like, oh my God, it's such a yeah. big pattern to talk about. Um, but there are these smaller um, narratives that are circulating um to help us along the journey and we want to support you 
with that. So if you already have a myth you're working with, you know, you can email us. We'd love to hear about it. You can um, email us at women of consciousness um, at gmail.com. And if you want to follow us on our Instagram, again, women of consciousness and Facebook as well, um, we will be doing some live videos. So maybe you see our faces <laughs> eventually. <laughs> rather than just hear our voices you can see our faces um but we are here to help you so reach out if you have any questions um and until then we will see you next time pam do you have anything else any final words oh <laughs> uh, man just yeah happy happy miss searching <laughs> just like <laughs> yeah. go search around go go dig around and see what myths come up for your personal life because um it will transform you i guarantee <laughs> if you work with it but um yeah <laughs> I love it. Playing the dirt. <laughs> no, it's always a pleasure. That's for sure. Um, yeah, good episode. I love it. I love this conversation, <laughs> this topic. Could go all day, all fired up on the archetypes, but no, thank you for sure. Yeah. So have a good day, and we will see you next Tuesday. Um, have yeah. a blessed day. Have a great Bye. week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.